History Notes. Welcome to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. History Notes reports on the people, places, monuments, and events that have shaped our society. Sometimes we examine what has occurred long ago, and at times we look at history happening now. Grab a pad, a pen, or a digital device and get engaged with History Notes. Appreciate you being here. Thank you, sir. All right, welcome to History Notes. I'm your host, Rodney Dawson, Curator of Education here at the Greensboro History Museum. And uh, as you may be aware, we are really targeting what's happened in the, the end of May, May 30th, May 30, uh, May 30th and May 31st into early June, uh, dealing with the protests following the uh, death of George Floyd. And so we're kind of in a social racial justice reckoning. And so we've uh, been in the streets talking to business owners. We've been talking to protest organizers. We've been talking to muralists. Uh, we are actually pleased to be in the, the gallery where it's unfinished now. So if you go around the corner, you're going to see chairs and paint and things like that. Um, but one thing we thought we were missing, or we're missing a lot, but we said we're missing the law enforcement perspective. And uh, especially at a time like this, when we have uh, two African-American uh, heads of, uh, of law enforcement bodies, the, the sheriff, sheriff's department, and of course the Greensboro Police Department. So I'm glad that we reached out to you and you're able to make time and come talk to us and be a part of today's History Notes, talking about uh, Chief Brian James of the Greensboro Police Department. So thank you for being out here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, now you're a product of this town, right? Yeah, I uh, grew up right here in uh, Northeast Greensboro. Uh, all my life, I uh, went through the uh, Greensboro City Schools uh, okay. at that time. Uh, went to A&T State Aggie University, Aggie Pride. Mm -hmm. And uh, right after that, uh, got into uh, law enforcement. Started out with the Guilford County Sheriff's Office for a couple of years and okay. then came to the Police Department. In 1996. 1996. And I was doing the math. I looked that up. So uh -huh. you're approaching 25 years of service. Yeah, almost 25 with uh -huh. the Greensboro Police Department. Exactly. Uh -huh. And you've been in the training division. You work for, I can call it CID now. Yeah, you yeah. sound cool. Yeah, yeah. CID. <laughs> uh, criminal investigations. Right. And, right. Um, and then you were in the, the neighborhood resource. Yeah, worked in that. Uh, uh, we have officers still to this day assigned to our public housing areas. Okay. And uh, that, was a, that was a great program for me to be involved in early in my career. And it continues to be a success to this day because really uh, it just lays the foundation for police work in community policing. And, uh, and that's what we still believe in to this day. So building relationships. Absolutely. You, you can't be effective in a community if, if you don't have a relationship with the community that you serve. Gotcha. And yeah. did you pick that up when you were working in the resource center or is that something you walked in no, to the building? I'll tell you, I, I knew how important it was. Uh, mm -hmm. Even when I started out, uh, when I had the opportunity, when I was in patrol, I would, uh, if, if I wasn't on a call, I'd try to park my car, maybe walk a couple of blocks, talk okay. to people and things like that. And uh, and I think somebody noticed it because I kind of got recruited into that program. Gotcha. And, uh, and so that enabled me to be assigned specifically to a uh, housing community, and and that's what I did every day was just walk the site and had a chance to get to know people and have them get to know me as well. Good stuff, mm -hmm. good stuff. And uh, from right there on Phillips Avenue, yeah, you from all right. And so you're the chief in um, 2020. Took office in what February? Uh, February first, official first day. Okay. Yeah. And so working all those different entities within the police department um, historically. What would you say are, I'm talking about the Greensboro Police Department and its relations to the community. Historically, what have been strengths and what have been areas that need improvement? I think, uh, I'll say this, uh, one of the areas that's been a strength for us is we have had good relationships with the community. 
Um, and that has evolved over time. I think that as police work in general, uh, specifically in Greensboro, uh, we have had good relationships. But at the same time, what needs improvement is that we do have some parts of the community uh, that still have a lack of trust in the police department. And what I'm trying to do and what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out how we can bridge those gaps and have those conversations uh, with the communities that may not necessarily trust the police. And of course, in the time that we're in right now, um, it, it may be one of the most difficult times to do sure. that, uh, but we still feel like it's important and that's still what we plan to do. All right. So prior to, you know, we had things that, that have happened with Marcus Smith and, and other uh, situations, but specifically speaking with the events that uh, were, I hate to use this word, but sparked by the death of George Floyd. So prior to May 30th, when the first protest happened, the first demonstration, what what was your focus as a police department? It's kind of hard to say uh, uh, in the year that we're in, and I say that because we're still dealing with the coronavirus and things mm -hmm. like that. We were trying to figure out how to still maintain our connections with the community and to do them safely. Uh, what I did back in February when I first got the job is I went on a community-wide tour while I was having mm -hmm. uh, meetings with uh, people in, in various neighborhoods. Yeah. yeah, I was doing that. We had to cut that a little bit short because of the, the COVID-19 COVID. concerns. Uh, in addition to that, we were planning to do community classrooms, which is something we're still going to do. Mm -hmm. And community classrooms, what I mean is like taking different law enforcement topics and uh, covering those. Like one of the first ones we were going to do was going to be vehicle stops because okay. a lot of people have questions about, okay, what should I do on a vehicle stop? What are my rights? Things like that. And we were going to cover that. Uh, in addition, we were also going to do some uh, community walks. And we had some uh, neighborhoods that had reached out to us through the initial meetings and said they would like to do some community walks with us, like through their neighborhoods. So um, so we're still planning to do those things. Uh, it's just that now we've had to kind of hit the reset button because right. we have had the recent events. And then also we still have the COVID-19 cool. concerns. So everything we do, we have to take that into consideration. Uh, but what I do know is that we, we can't just stop in our tracks where we are and wait for a vaccine right. because we've still got to cultivate those community relationships. Well, that brings up a question I was going to ask later, mm -hmm. but you're segueing into it now. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted you to kind of paint the scene as to, you know, we're approaching, you understand that it might be a demonstration. You mm -hmm. don't know the size or the scope of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but knowing that you have to be prepared for it, I just can't, I can see the hesitancy or maybe not that, but just the concern to send officers out to be side by side with one another mm -hmm. and to be in the midst of hundreds of other folks mm -hmm. in a time of COVID-19. How did you all deal with that? Very carefully. Um, mm -hmm. And what I'll say is that from a COVID-19 concern, uh, I think we, we certainly put our officers in more risk uh, than we would have otherwise. Um, you know, we certainly want to support uh, First Amendment speech mm -hmm. and, uh, and a right to, uh, to protest or demonstrate peacefully. You know, but at the same time, you know, uh, the CDC and everyone else has said that, you know, large gatherings uh, increase the likelihood or the risk of someone uh, having COVID-19. So we definitely had to take that into consideration. Um, we, um, you know, of course, when appropriate, you know, which may not always be appropriate, you know, masks, gloves, things like that, hand washing, mm -hmm. the things that they tell you to do, you know, but at the same time, uh, public safety was paramount in all right. of these situations. So. I think that we kind of had to, uh, we really had to look at uh, what the risks were from a public safety standpoint, from a COVID-19 standpoint. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
quite often public safety wins out on that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, once you find out, how did you find out there were going to be there would be a demonstration? Uh, we we got the information uh, from various sources. Okay. Uh, what I'll say in this day and time, a lot of things are put on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, I guess like way back in the day, uh, people had to find out through word of mouth mm-hmm. and, and things like that, and through actual pamphlets or publications. Now somebody can post something on a social media site, and you can you can gather up a uh, a number of people to hold a demonstration or or any kind of event if you think right. about it. So, um, so when we, we found that out, we had to make sure that, of course, uh, we had the staff in place to make sure that we could uh, do it safely, uh, whether that be, you know, shut down streets or whatever the case was. Uh, but it was definitely, um, definitely a concern. The mm-hmm. first thing I thought about was COVID-19 because with large gatherings and then putting officers right there in the midst of it, we knew there would be an increased risk. Uh, what I'll say is, fortunately, um, uh, we have had a few cases in the department, but mm-hmm. I don't know of any cases uh, that evolved from any of the officers working the protest. Okay. So it's mostly outdoors, and I know the risks are significantly less if you're outdoors, so we didn't have any of that. Now, in uh, Greensboro, it's a town of almost 300,000 people, but yes. we're not known as a Detroit or mm-hmm. Chicago or New York, so mm-hmm. when protests happen, I don't expect to see CNN here unless right. something drastic happens. Right. Um, but as the police, who's only, what, three Three, four months on the job at this point? Yeah, that was, I guess that was about right at the time. Right. Yeah, about three, four months. Yeah. What What goes through your mind uh, in regards to your officers where you say, uh, I'm, I'll tell you this, I, I'm a, I watch a lot of television, mm-hmm. news and stuff, but I watch uh, In the Heat of the Night. Okay. <laughs> and there was an episode where this civil rights worker, a former civil rights activist, uh, kind of like a Martin Luther King for the, right. the show, was coming to town. And uh, they were talking to the police chief about providing protection. And the police chief said, yeah, because I don't, this town, if we don't do it right, this town is going to be famous for something it doesn't want to be famous for. Mm-hmm. So that stuck with me when I knew you were coming. Mm-hmm. When you know you have an event like this, mm-hmm. uh, a demonstration, what goes to your head saying, that this, I don't want us to be famous for mm-hmm. something we don't want to be famous for? So what was like the chief concern for you other than COVID? Well, the first thing is um, you got to have a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have an operational plan as to how you're going to manage it. And that's based on information that we have, where we know people will be, what they might want to do, things like that. Uh, the other part is making sure that you've got key leaders in place and then making sure that I'm communicating with those leaders so they know uh, what my desires are. You know, now, what, how are you doing that? That goes into another question. Are you mm-hmm. at home or are you No, I was, I was there. Um, you were downtown? Uh, I was downtown, yeah. Every time, we had a, uh, every time we had a protest on the ground, I was... I was at the office. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, making sure that uh, I was constantly communicating mm-hmm. with, with command staff, and they communicated with supervisors, and and making sure that we were all on the same page. So, more or less, kind of knowing, like, if you know, playing out scenarios, if this happens or if something else happens, how we're going to react to gotcha. it, how we respond to it, and then making sure that our officers on the ground have uh, definite instructions. On, on how to handle situations and, and what would be tolerated and what would not be tolerated. Okay. Yeah. Now, during the the, act, the protest, was there any one or two events that you could talk about that raised your eyebrow or made you made you really communicate to your officers on the ground saying? Yeah. The uh, and I'll tell you, um, uh, more than ninety five percent of all the activity we had in Greensboro was peaceful. Right. Uh, we we did experience. Uh, some vandalism and some break-ins uh, along the Elm Street corridor, mm-hmm. and uh, that that has been a uh, 
That has been tough to navigate, I will say. And the reason why I say that is because uh, anytime I'm making decisions about how to respond to a significant event like that, somebody's not going to like my decision mm-hmm. every time. And when I look at that situation, uh, you know, we had officers that had objects, including rocks thrown at them, right. while at the same time we had people that were damaging businesses along that Elm Street corridor, and that was on that first Saturday and Sunday night. Um, you know, we got some people that think that, uh, you know, we reacted too harshly, mm-hmm. and some people think we didn't we didn't react enough, that we should have done more. And uh, what we tried to do was to make a decision uh, that would uh, keep the public safe, because there were some peaceful protesters in the midst of the chaos, mm-hmm. but to make a decision that would keep them safe as well as keep our officers safe. So, uh, you know, we did suffer some some property damage downtown, mm-hmm. uh, but I am happy to say that, that no one was hurt. Right. Uh, no citizens were hurt and no officers were hurt. And when I look at it from uh, from my point of view, if I can make that statement, then then that is a huge win uh, for us. Okay. Now, now, when I talked to some of the protest organizers, they mm-hmm. told me that um, there were police that came to them and warn them there are some folks that are here not to support you mm-hmm. and that you, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, you might be in danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did you hear that? They were, I guess they were tipped off and mm-hmm. then they wanted to let the, the organizers, the protest participants and mm-hmm. organizers know that might be some white supremacists here or mm-hmm. someone that's just disgruntled by the fact that you're present. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was even, were, were, did you hear that and did you warn some of the protesters? I didn't know about, of course, not every single communication mm-hmm. because I know that a lot of our officers that were on the ground were having dialogue with the protesters. And that's that's something that we encourage mm-hmm. because uh, oftentimes when someone is planning a protest, we actually plan it with them. We okay. say, okay, you want to organize at this location? You want to march down this particular street? you know, And so we can actually provide uh, better service and actually better protection for them if we know where they're going. Because oftentimes what we worry about is if there's a counter uh, group that's coming. Mm-hmm. If everybody is protesting in solidarity for the same thing, I'm not as concerned. But when counter protesters show up and you've got two groups that are clashing, that's when we get really concerned. And, right. and that's when we have to be prepared to stand in that gap to keep those uh, two separate groups uh, apart from each other. Now, are you working in conjunction with the sheriff's department, the fire department? How is your relationship with with other uh, areas within the city? We have uh, uh, great relationships with our partners. Uh, fire, of course, Greensboro Fire, we had them on standby uh, for a number of, uh, of different reasons for the functions that they carry out, as well as always having one of them with our command staff. Uh, the sheriff's department we have a relationship with, uh, they did assist us on several occasions throughout the protest. Uh, we also uh, partner with uh, uh, High Point Police uh, mm-hmm. at one point as well. Now, why High Point? Well, the first night uh, when we had activity and we did have some damage downtown, High Point was actually not having any protest at all. Okay. So uh, we essentially have a mutual aid agreement where if one of us needs assistance, that we'll, gotcha. we'll help each other. Okay. So we enacted that, that mutual aid agreement. And, of course, the, uh, the sheriff has jurisdiction over all of Gilbert County. So I was able to uh, call the sheriff. And, uh, and get some additional help from the sheriff's office. All right. And that leads me, and I'll get you out of here with a couple more questions. Okay. But that leads me, we have uh, yourself, Chief James, and you're mm-hmm. not the first African-American police chief. Was no, it Chief actually, Daughtry? I'm actually the fourth. The uh, fourth. Yeah, mm-hmm. Chief, it was Chief Daughtry, uh, Chief Robert White, uh, Chief Tim Bellamy, and I am the uh, 
the fourth uh, African-American chief. Okay. And Chief Daughtry was in the 80s, right? Yeah, he was actually chief for 11 years, okay. uh, 87 through uh, 1998. He typically, was a chief when I got... Uh, typically, how long is does a chief serve? I mean, it really depends. I say on average, most chiefs serve right around uh, four years okay. on, on average. You know, it kind of depends on how much time you have once you actually get the job and things like that. Busy job. You have to have a chief of staff. Yes, I, I do. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, a lot of people that I have to have, uh, because I have so many people reaching out to mm -hmm. me, I just have to have somebody to try to help me manage all, all that and make sure we're responsive to everyone. Well, so we have Chief Brian James, African-American. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, Sheriff Danny Rogers, mm -hmm. African-American, approaching this demonstration, this reckoning of social and racial justice um, that's because of the death of an African-American. Right. How does that dynamic play off, play out? You know, as mm -hmm. you're a law enforcement officer first, but mm -hmm. um, how does? But you had a, you're also an African American. How does that play out in your in your mind? Or? Well, it's I'll tell you this. So, um, so as African American, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I was a a black man before I was a police officer, mm -hmm. and after I retire, I'll still be black. Right. So, uh, uh, most of what has made me as a person has been through the black experience. Mm -hmm. However, I've been in law enforcement for a number of years. And uh, and also understand a lot of uh, uh, you know a lot of it is shaped around what I've learned in law enforcement. What I'll say is that uh, first and foremost, the safety of everyone participating. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the uh, at the protesters, uh, it was actually a pretty diverse crowd on many of those right. days. I saw a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of white protesters, uh, a lot of people uh, that appear to be of, of various nationalities. But I think that. Um, the public, I think, looks at the office uh, differently when there's mm -hmm. an African-American person in the office. And I think that sometimes, uh, you know, they uh, they may expect, you know, certain things of me as a as a black police chief. And, and I think on some respects they should, I think, because uh, I certainly understand why people are frustrated, understand mm -hmm. why people are mad. Uh, what I hope happens after all this is said and done, I hope that uh, now that we've got everyone's attention, that the real work will gotcha. will happen. Um, I, I think that um, you know you, you're still seeing some protests throughout the country, and what I'll say is that I'm thankful that for right now it's quiet in Greensboro, but I think now is when the real work comes gotcha. uh, when you have to sit down and have the conversations and things like that. And I think that uh, uh, myself and the sheriff, I think we have a great opportunity uh, to make our respective agencies better. And, uh, and and my hope is that well, when I do decide to walk away from law enforcement, this agency is better than it was when I when I found it uh, well, as a police chief. I think you're on track. I hope so. All right. Well, Certainly. 30 seconds for these next two questions. Okay. What does a good day look like for Chief James? A good day is a is a quiet day is when I uh, when I don't have a, a ton of meetings and I can call up some people uh, in the community and go see them and sit down and have a cup of coffee. I guess when you mm -hmm. could sit down and have a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and really just kind of just get some thoughts and ideas from people about, you know, what they're seeing in the community and some things that we need to pay attention to. All right. What does a good day in 30 seconds look like for Brian James? Riding my motorcycle. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what kind you got? Uh, I got a... Um, I'm uh, talking like I got a bike. Well, I got a, I got a cruiser. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got a, yeah, I got like a, one of those big cruisers. This. It's an old man bike. It's got like a backrest on it okay. and everything. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's kind of like my stress relief. And of course, 
I mean, spending time with my family. I got a, yeah. a wife. I got three daughters. One is a full, fully grown adult, and I got one in college and, and one in high school. But, um, but yeah, just spending time with them and, and, and just, you know, when I get a chance to jump on that motorcycle, I try to do that and, and just kind of clear my head a little bit. All right. So you're the chief of police for all of Greensboro. There's a football game between Smith High School and Page. Okay. <laughs> Whom are you rooting for? Oh, I'm rooting for Paige. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't. Yeah, I, I can't. Uh, that, that's part of you know, that's part of my DNA. Now, I, I, I love all my Greensboro people, but uh, but but Paige High School, uh, I, I learned a lot of lessons, uh, you know, playing football, and uh, and really they they kind of carried me throughout life. Okay, well, that's yeah. good to know. Yeah. Well, Chief, I appreciate you coming out on History yeah. Notes and talking to us. Uh, as you see, we're going to have this exhibit mm-hmm. and. Uh, we're either going to feature this online and inside on monitor inside this gallery here. Okay. Uh, but we wanted to get everyone's perspective and uh, we were missing a law enforcement perspective. We do plan on talking to a couple of us, but we're so uh, thankful, uh, Mr. Glenn and uh, yourself for making time to come talk to us on this video. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. Just as you visited for this podcast, continue to go to www.greensborohistory.org and select the Discover and Learn tab to listen again or learn more about many other subjects. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please stop by the museum when you can. We're located at 130 Summit Avenue, Greensboro. Hours vary, so visit our website or call 336-373-2043 for details. Once again, thank you and keep tuning in to History Notes.